It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Leroux, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. And today was a history-making one for the Golden State Warriors, particularly Stephen Curry, who broke the NBA record with 13 made threes, an incredible 13 of 17 from three in the game, which the Warriors ended up pulling out 116-106. was an exciting game at Oracle, one that didn't really have a lot of sizzle early on, but Curry ended up providing that. And then the team letting the Pelicans back in in the third quarter actually opened the door for history because if they had continued blowing them out like they were in the first half at the end of the first half to be more specific the game wouldn't have gone there and curry wouldn't have set the record so to talk with me about it is adam lordson fellow night owl and writer of the warriors fast break blog on the san jose mercury news and he and i talked for about a half an hour about the various storylines from this game and a little bit of a preview of the Mavericks game, which will be on Wednesday, and also I included uh, some Draymond audio. It's a quote that I that I asked him a question, and got a, I think it was a great answer from him about where the offense is and where it's going. So that is integrated within the piece. And this episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. You can download the free SeatGeek app. It's a spectacular thing, and you go to settings, and then you can enter the promo code LO Warriors like Locked On Warriors, and you get $20 off your first order. So you go to SeatGeek, download, you download the free SeatGeek app, LO Warriors, $20 off, support the show. And again, about a half an hour with Adam Wardson. I think you'll really enjoy it. Well, we certainly have a lot to talk about. Yeah, not bad for a Monday night in November against a team that hadn't had a win yet. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans is in this strange place because they've played well in a, a series of their games, and I, I watch a fair amount of them because Anthony Davis is incredible. He was awesome for large stretches of this game. And so you kind of had that feeling. I, I wrote in my in my notes that will become the player analysis for The Athletic about how it felt like Stephen Curry ended the game in the second quarter, but for kind of the enjoyment considering the end result, that didn't end up happening. Yeah, I'm glad that it ended up being a closer game, despite the fact that the Warriors struggled a bit in the uh, the third quarter. It definitely provided a great finish for Warriors fans and unexpected bit of NBA history tonight. And this game felt a lot like, to me, a lot like that Blazers game, I think that was game four of the second round, where 
Curry was just feeling it and hitting shots from absolutely everywhere because a fair number of the ones he hit were just ridiculous looks. The Pelicans were defending him well, and he just went, no, I'm just going to take it. Yeah, you could tell that he was hunting for a shot. It, it wasn't a situation where he says, well, let's see if I can get open, and if I'm clear, I'll take the shot. He was coming down, immediately setting up, putting himself in a position to get the shot. Uh, he knew how hot he was, uh, and it was just <laughs> wondrous to watch. Uh, it, we've been watching Curry do this for years now. Uh, it was a question of when, not if, he was going to break the record, but it was still spectacular to see it. And he said after the game that he'd been kind of thinking about what it would take to get to 13 since he got 12 the first time. And there was a moment in the in the fourth, there were, there were kind of two different moments in, in the fourth quarter. One was wondering whether he would even get there because it took him a while to get that first one because I believe he ended he ended the third quarter at 10. And then once he got his, he got 13 with, I think, two and a half minutes to go, the question was how high is the record going to go? Yeah, it looked like he had a shot at a couple others. Uh, the Warriors showed a bit of restraint they didn't break their offense to try to get him a shot no matter what I think they did that once and turned it over and then went away from it but I don't think it's the last time we're going to see Curry flirting with pushing this record even further which is exciting to think about the the way the Warriors play uh, Curry's just mind-blowing sort of hot hand uh, will put this situation in front of us again so we'll have a fun time watching it. And that's what makes this team so terrifying offensively is the idea that, you know, Kevin Durant had a solid night, 8 for 17, 22 points, only got to the line six times. You know, for him, that's a bad night. I mean, it's not a bad night for almost anybody else in the league offensively, but for him it is. And, oh yeah, Stephen Curry had 46. So the idea that there there are kind of two different tendons to this that are similar, but different in a way that I think is important. And that is the idea of being able to ride the hot hand, whoever that is but also the idea of generating open shots for whoever. So it's kind of the idea is it creates this machine early in the game, you see who does well, and then you just run with them until you can't anymore. Yeah, I think the second part, talking about the system, is important because the the headline in this game is obviously and rightfully Curry's record-breaking night. But I thought the team did some really nice things, particularly in the fourth quarter, to really get back to their core offensive fundamentals and create a situation in which Curry could get good open looks from three and have the opportunity to really push the record and get those shots. They were penetrating. They were passing the ball nice in the interior. Uh, Draymond Green showed just tremendous judgment and restraint, I thought, all night long, picking his spots where he was going to shoot, where he was going to penetrate, where he was going to create for others. Uh, They had something like, I think, 11 assists on 14 made field goals in the fourth quarter. And that's the type of basketball that Kerr wants these guys to play. So Curry was incredibly hot. He had a great night. But I think the Warriors are going to be happy with their overall offensive performance for most of the game because they're getting closer to where they want to be as a cohesive team offense. Amazingly, it was 11 of 12 in the in the fourth quarter. So they had they had 12 oh, wow. into that. And so when you also when you think about some of Curry's most iconic plays, if you want to call it that, that might be too big a word from this game were unassisted. You know that crazy one where Clay basically passed the ball out of bounds and Curry made a snake up there and got an open three. That was I think that was number 10. And those kind of plays were there. But then in the fourth quarter, they were doing it a lot through assists. Draymond, as you mentioned, I think did a really nice job 
passing the ball in that quarter. Iguodala, I think, had eight assists and one turnover overall in the game. And that is what will be repeatable. You know, Stephen Curry could have another game like this. It's certainly not out of the question. But generating looks for other guys. Clay Thompson, I think he was two of seven from three in this game. All but one of those off the top of my head were, were good looks. And so... You, you kind of think with different teams about the idea of what is repeatable and what is incredible about this team so far, and they have a long way to go, is that overall, I think a lot of this is repeatable. Yeah, I think that the ball movement and the spacing is going to be something that you can create every night against different types of opponents. And whether it's Curry, whether it's Durant, whether it's Thompson, whether it's somebody else stepping up for a night, you have enough pieces to fit into those open looks and those open spaces to make things happen. And so really, I think that they should focus on the process like they have been. They need to be disciplined in the shots that they're looking for. They need to make the extra pass to get those higher quality looks. And if they just train themselves and get in that habit, they're eventually going to find the hot hand and somebody's going to come forward and make an impact. And I think that, to a large degree, is what we saw tonight. They kept on working for good shots, and Curry ended up having a hot hand late and just absolutely blew the game open. Uh, But Durant got good looks earlier, converted uh, quite a few of them. Thompson had a great first half, a lot of very good looks, mid-range, penetration, um, I think one or two threes during that half. So uh, all told, I think that this was a positive development for the Warriors' offense. Uh, Still a lot of defensive issues we can talk about, but uh, in the sort of slumping offense that we had seen in a couple games, this was a nice turnaround. To stay on the offensive line for a little bit, of course, we will get to the defense. I asked Draymond after the game and was about the offense, and one of the things that I really enjoy doing with him is leaving it more open-ended and letting him go through it, and I thought the best way to, to put this in the show was to leave the full question and the full answer. It's a little bit long, but I thought it's it's very insightful in terms of kind of where this team is going. Over time, do you think the offense is going to look more similar to what it's been the last few years, or is your feeling that it's just going to stay kind of in this new balance? No, I think it'll look a lot similar to what it has, you know, the last couple years. But that's going to take some time. You know, it's you're talking a group that was together for four years. That, you know, that helps a lot. And now you're talking about a completely different group for the most part. And so, you know, when you add a player like KD, like the offense is going to change. It's impossible to have the same exact offense. But over the course of time, you know, that continuity that we had, you know, we'll get it. And, you know, nobody's worried about it. Um you know, I don't look at numbers and say, oh, man, I need to do this or we need to do this so I can do that. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, that continuity will come over the course of time as we get more and more familiar with each other. And when it does, like tonight we had 35 assists and we're not clicking at all. I mean, that, so that right there alone just, you know, goes to show how good we're going to be, you know, and we can be if we just stick with the process, continue to try to get better each and every time we step on the floor. Right now it's going to be a couple bumps and, you know, that that comes with, but comes with it. But you just got to enjoy the process and that's what we're doing and everything will come together as time goes on. So yeah, I, I thought that was a really impressive answer just in terms of where, you know, that, that they're, they are doing well right now, but that he thinks the offense is going to look a lot more like what it did at the end of last year. And that gets into the idea that you were talking before about expectations and the idea of working for the best look possible. Yeah, just logically, if you have Draymond on the court surrounded by uh, Curry, Durant, Thompson, 
you want Draymond to be the playmaker because he's the poorest shooter out of that bunch. And Draymond's still a pretty decent shooter, but you obviously want to feed those other guys and put them in positions to score. But for Draymond to be that centerpiece of the offense, he needs to show uh, good judgment about when to sort of force it and when to be more conservative. Uh, and he needs to direct traffic and really be kind of a calm, collected leader there on the court. And I think we saw a great example of that tonight. He was in control. He was making good decisions. He was directing traffic out there. And the results were tremendous. He had 11 assists, two turnovers. And that's a terrific line for any point guard in the NBA, let alone your power forward. So Draymond, I think, is benefiting from the positive reinforcement that Kerr's giving him here for this type of game. Only made two shots, but had a tremendous impact on both ends of the court. Yeah, I, I did think it was his best defensive game, partially because Anthony Davis is just a monster. He's an incredibly good player. But he did a lot of the other things right. You know, there there are certain things that you have to do in a game, you know, getting those rebounds, trying to force turnovers, that even when your man is scoring a lot, you can do. And New Orleans in this game just didn't get enough from anyone else, which is really the story of their season so far. Yeah, they, they are going to need some more support for Davis. It's going to be a shame if they're wasting these core years of his career without any supporting gas because he is such a spectacular player. Like you, he's one of my favorite players to watch night in, night out. The, the thing that impressed me about the Warriors' defense on Davis, though, particularly later in the game, they made the decision to go small. Uh, even before the, the closing lineup, the death lineup, whatever you want to call it, came in, they had this interesting lineup with... Uh, Clark, Livingston, uh, I think Curry, Thompson, and Green, maybe, uh, where you know, pick your power forward, whether it's Livingston or Thompson. It's an incredibly small lineup. Uh, it really kind of put Green on an island against Davis, and he lost that battle a few times. But it also gave them enough speed to really swarm and switch and play that chaotic style that they like to play. And I ultimately think that the disruption against a team like New Orleans, who doesn't have a lot of offensive weapons, uh, ended up playing more to their favor, even if they were giving up uh, some just strength and height uh, with the Davis and Green matchup. They ended up having a nice stretch where they created a few turnovers. It really got them rolling in transition, and it sparked the final stretch in which they blew the game open. Yeah, and so Davis in that fourth quarter, you can define success on a player that good a lot of different ways, but I, I have to mention that he only played about half of the quarter because he, he played about seven minutes, but he only attempted three shots from the field and two shots from the line. And realistically, unless the other guys are killing you, that's enough. You know, even if he makes all of those shots, well, he did make a three during that, but even then, that's probably not enough to beat you when you consider what the, the other stuff they have going around him. Yeah, and I think that when they go small, like that, the Warriors are making the calculated choice that they can obstruct the entry pass, that they can prevent Davis from getting the ball in a position where he's going to be effective and really force the other Pelicans to torch them. And they won that bet. Kerr was right in this situation. It's not going to work against every team that has more weapons, but against an offense like this that's dependent upon one player, I think it's a better look for the Warriors than trying to play more traditionally and potentially with a slower lineup, a bigger lineup, they can't really put that pressure on one player with all the switching action. 
It also can function in another way that some people find counterintuitive, but actually makes sense when you really think about basketball, which is the idea of a better offense just helping with Anthony Davis. He's one of the best transition guys in the league, and generally speaking, while the War- I would argue that the small lineups are the Warriors' best lineups defensively this year, they're also the best offensive overall, and so if New Orleans has to take the ball out of the basket a higher proportion of the time, they're going to get fewer opportunities as well. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. The, the times where Green potentially gets caught behind a play are typically off missed shots where he's down trying to get a rebound or initiating and the the game leaks out past him. Uh, When you're making baskets, Green's getting back. He's having a chance to set up, kind of direct the defense. They are much more effective in those situations than if they're playing catch-up in a a small ball transition uh, lineup. So I think that's absolutely right. And having the smalls out there, I think, just made the offense uh, look smoother. There was more ball movement. There was more player movement off the ball. Uh, that really was the story of the second half of the fourth quarter and part of what allowed Curry to get going, like we talked about. There is a lot of noise in this stat, but it's been something I've been watching throughout the throughout the year. I've tweeted out at various moments, and I'm not going to tweet it out today, but I'm going to have it on the podcast, which is the <laughs> idea of why this defense is struggling. And there's a lot of noise in this, so I don't want people to read this as you know just a definitive take. But in Zaza Pachulia's a little over 11 minutes, the Warriors allowed 136.1 points per 100 possession. That's really, really, really bad. In the 23 and a half minutes that Draymond Green played and Zaza Pachulia did not, so that includes some David West minutes, that includes some Kevon Looney minutes, the Warriors allowed 90.1 points per 100. So the idea that this team's defense is fundamentally flawed or is, is broken in some way is might be more of a temporary condition, even though there is some noise in that number. I, I think that it matches the eye test, test, though. I haven't looked at every game, the number for Pachulia on the floor, but it, my sense is it, he's just not moving quickly enough to play with the rest of the Warriors' defense and the way they like to adjust. And your defense really is only as good as your weakest link. If you have one player out of position, it really sort of pushes or nudges everyone else in, in a difficult spot. So... Pachulia's inability to adapt, whether it's off the pick and roll or whether it's just the normal switching that the Warriors like to do inside out sometimes, uh, it, it's really, I think, putting pressure on the defense and giving up easy baskets. Uh, the rim is open. Uh, there are a lot of seconds chance points because he ends up being out of rebounding position. I think there are a variety of small things that are all compounding to make that statistic a fairly accurate picture just from my eye test of what's going on with the Warriors' defense. He also brings some good things, uh, particularly on offense. I think that they like what he brings. But there's a balancing act here, and the Warriors have always been a team that's been driven by their defense. That's really what they've prided themselves on and I think made the difference in their championship run. So Kerr's going to have to weigh what Pachulia offers on offense with what the team seems to need on defense. They also need someone to sop up those minutes. And while I am an ardent supporter of trying other people, if Pachulia doesn't work long term, as long as you can manage the personalities, there's enough time for that. I, I did a I did a Reddit mailbag for this show on what was Monday's episode, and you know the, I think that fundamentally we can be impatient because you know the, the, it's just like when you feel like you see something, you want to try something out, but it's 
it's an 82 game season changing things around not only can can affect guys personally but also you know you want to make sure that you have an, a representative sample and that you can go back and forth and try different things and so yes I would like to see JaVale McGee play some extended minutes with a more starter heavy lineup to see how it works I would like to see the same maybe a little bit from McAdoo I'd like to see it from David West because David West is mostly playing with backup units which is also interesting in terms of what he's doing like he has he has played some strange combinations out there and so they do need to do all that before the all-star break i would say the kind of target date should be the beginning of february to have a real sense of all that kind of stuff but it doesn't have to be right away yeah i think that that's absolutely right and we've begun to see that with kerr as well uh, i was surprised that he put Verjao on the inactive list tonight with mccall coming back and i was pleasantly surprised that he did it uh but he gave looney the first minutes off the bench uh, as a reserve and gave him an opportunity to play with some of the starters and show that he could contribute against quicker bigs. Uh, It was a mixed bag. He had some nice moments. He had some moments where he looked like a a young player who was lost, but that's the type of rotation that I think Kerr is going to try to do where he brings a guy up in the rotation for two or three games, sees how that player can do with different combinations, evaluates and then moves to the next thing. Like you said, they have a couple months of experimentation that they can do here then settle down and really focus on what their rotation is going to be through the end of the season in the playoffs. Well, if you are a fan of watching this experimentation in person, as Adam and I both are, one of the best ways that you can do that is by trying out SeatGeek. And so SeatGeek is my go-to as somebody who used to work in the tick business. I actually bought and sold tickets for a living for a period of time after I finished law school. And what's really impressive about it is that if you want it to be more intuitive to help you out, you can use things like deal score, where it takes it takes kind of a picture of the seat, of the quality and the price and relative relative prices of seats around it and says, hey, this is a good deal or this isn't. And with the Warriors, that can really matter. And so if you want to use that, you can. And if you don't want to, you can make your own evaluation. I found that even though I trust my own judgment with a lot of that stuff, that SeatGeek has done a really good job evaluating it. There were I ended up getting some Giants tickets for my parents for some holiday occasion. I can't really remember what. And I ended up going with their deal, even though I tried to do it independently because they nailed it. And the other thing that SeatGeek does really well is that it's an aggregator. So they, they take in inputs from various other ticket sites and put it all in one place so you only have to search there and so what you can do with SeatGeek if you want to get a discount try it out you can use the you download the app SeatGeek app you go to add a promo code on the settings page and you use LO Warriors as a promo code and why you do that is because you get $20 off your first order so the way that it happens is that you you know you make the order and then once it comes in then they send you a $20 check back and it's it's awesome that they do that so it just goes goes into your account you know whatever you want to do with that money and so again you download the app, go to the settings tab, promo code LO Warriors. Not only do you get $20 off, you get to try out a great program that I personally use, and you get to tell them that it came from us. So it supports the show. Hopefully it gets more advertisers interested and everything like that. So again, SeatGeek, LO Warriors. So that, That's a perfect opportunity too, just to talk briefly about how incredible it is to be in the building, watching Steph Curry going off for moments like this. Uh, I, I was in my fan seats tonight, not in the media seats, and I knew that he had made a lot of threes, but I wasn't on top of exactly where he was on the record. And the crowd went nuts when he hit the three, but then Oracle put up that he had just broken the record on the scoreboard, and it just went to a whole nother level. And there's an energy to this team, even on a boring Monday night, 
against a not very good team that you really have to experience in person to fully understand. It's so interesting how the fans, it depends a little bit on the game, like against Oklahoma City, they were super supportive of Durant, so they popped a little bit harder than usual when he did something, but Curry making a three in particular brings a different feel, a different tone to the arena, and then when he starts going, like it happened twice in this game, where the the arena just, it started bubbling, it started kind of frothing to a point. And for whatever reason, he, at least from my experience, you could probably point to the Clay 37 game as the as the kind of the exception that proves the rule here. That Oracle resonates with Curry a little bit differently. Yeah, I, I think it's something that has to do with the speed that he, he attacks his points. He goes from just sort of dribbling up the court you know, mundane, initiating a play to just shooting these daggers. And it's almost like a whiplash effect on the crowd uh, that they realize that this could happen in a split second, that it could happen from anywhere on the court. And it drives up the intensity level, the focus of the crowd. So it, it gives this almost any second something amazing could happen quality to these stretches of games when Curry's playing like this. And there's not the kind of ebb and flow of energy that there typically is. It just builds and builds and builds when he hits these shots. Uh, there are fans that have been there enough to understand what's coming and that he could come down and do this again and again. They anticipate it. And that rising energy is just like nothing else that we see at Oracle, nothing else that we experience with this team. Uh, you know, The clay quarter had a similar quality to it just because they knew where the ball was going and the crowd got into it because of that, but Curry does it you know, every few games now, which is just unbelievable. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. We might have talked about it before, but this game built this little bitterness in me because I've still never seen a player score 50 in person. I happened to be, I was out of town <laughs> when Clay had the 37-point quarter. There have been a couple other ones that have happened since then. So just kind of for selfish reasons, just sitting there waiting for it to happen. But this was an incredible display all its own. And something else I wanted to ask before we kind of separate from this was, Kevon Looney played, I think it was about six minutes in the first quarter, and then he didn't play much in the rest of the game. Was that concerning at all to you, or was it just kind of natural within what was happening? I think it has to do with West actually having a pretty good stretch. I think that Kerr and Brown maybe saw that West was having some productive minutes, that he was being active, being physical, but also playing within the team concept. And they just wanted to reward that. So I think that chewed up some of his minutes. Uh, he also didn't have a great stretch there uh, in the third quarter. I think that probably cut into some of the minutes that he was going to get. He was having some foul trouble at that point. So not a big concern. I think that they're going to be a little bit tighter with his minutes than they probably are a veteran just because of his inexperience and kind of his ability to spiral maybe if he's not being productive. So not a major concern. I think we're going to see him as part of the rotation in games going forward. So in terms of like kind of more set questions, last thing I wanted to ask you is the next Warriors game is against the Dallas Mavericks who have been struggling, but also there isn't, let's call it a resonance in that game because Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut return to Oracle. What are you expecting to see kind of on and around the court for that game? <laughs> the, the great Harrison Barnes revenge game that we've all been anticipating. Uh, I actually don't think we're going to see that. Uh, I, I think that Barnes has looked more assertive from the sort of stretches of Mavs games that I've watched this season. Uh, but he also looks like the same somewhat limited player, and no one knows those weaknesses better than the Warriors. 
Same for Andrew Bogut. I think that this is a team that knows how to play Bogut, knows the types of things that he'll try on the court that he's capable of. And so they'll be able to exploit that knowledge, I think, to their benefit. Uh, but it should be a positive homecoming overall. Those are players who there's still warm feelings towards them in the organization, among their teammates. They were part of a championship team. That's always a special bond that you form. So overall, I think it should be a fun night, a positive night. But I also expect the Warriors to sort of push them around and abuse them a bit on the court. Dallas playing kind of as limited as they are. Jaron Williams is still dealing with an injury. Dirk Nowitzki is probably going to miss this game as well. Certainly takes some of the luster off it, though it will lead to a lot more possessions that Harrison Barnes has the ball in his hands. But I agree with you that the reception will be very positive. You know, there is Harrison Barnes animosity within the fan base, but that always felt like more of a kind of a broader Warriors Twitter thing than a season ticket holder thing. And also, as much as any player has any, you know, issues with the fans, the first game back after he was a starter and an integral part of a championship, you gloss over that kind of stuff at that point. And, you know, maybe later on, if, you know, when they come back and maybe he does something else. That said, if Barnes has any moments that kind of resemble the struggles that he had both at the end of the finals or at other points, I think that could lead to like kind of an emotional release from the crowd as well. And maybe that's the way that they show a little bit of that lingering animus, let's call it. Yeah, I think that if Barnes dribbles off his foot and turns the ball over or Bogut airballs a free throw or a layup or something, the crowd's going to let him know it. I, you know, the Warriors fans don't hold back when it comes to returning players if they make the types of mistakes that they've made in the past. We've seen this with David Lee repeatedly, whether he's getting blocked or doing something else. Uh, so in the big picture, return to Oracle, uh, I expect it to be less triumphant than the Spates revenge game that we saw earlier this season and the very warm welcome that he got from the crowd. Mo always had a special place in the, the hearts of Warriors fans at Oracle. Uh, but overall, I think it'll be positive. I think that the Warriors fans will give him a bit of love. Yeah, certainly fair. Uh, anything else you want to, anything from this game that you want to impart to listeners? Just that if there's any pattern I've seen over the first uh, couple weeks of the season, I would say it's probably a lack of intensity that's going to continue on for a few months. Uh, we've seen the Warriors get motivated for certain opponents. We've seen them be motivated during certain stretches, but they're just not playing with the intensity that they were last season from the get-go. I think that that's natural given the lesson that they learned last year about what early season wins do for you in May and June, which is not much. Uh, but I think that it's something that we're going to have to watch because we also don't want them developing bad habits. There's a, a fine balance between learning each other's tendencies, learning the system, perfecting what Kerr wants to do, playing with that focus, uh, but also not kind of ramping it up to the highest level of intensity like they had during the win streak to open up the season last year. It's going to be a balance. It's going to be frustrating for fans. There are going to be games that they blow that they probably should win. But the real evaluation for this team is going to start, like you said, towards the all-star break when they finish the experimentation and then really settle on what is going to be their push for the remainder of the season and postseason. Absolutely a reasonable take in terms of that. The other thing that I want to mention is that I'm very interested to see what happens with Andre Guadalla the next few games, not only because he's had these struggles shooting. In this game, he didn't even attempt a two-pointer. He, he did get fouled once, but he didn't attempt a two. And 
also that he played 31 minutes. So Iguodala can provide value outside of the box score. He's done it his entire Golden State career, but especially the last two years. But how they use him, when they use him, and whether he can build that back, even if it's a long process, that is important because he is still an an essential part of a lot of their best lineups. Yeah, I think it's an open question right now whether what we've seen with Iguodala is just a slump or whether it's something larger in terms of uh, his physical decline um, or some aspect of just him being on the downslope of a career where he's taken a step back and can't contribute as much anymore. Uh, That's going to be a big issue, I think, going forward. Yeah, it's absolutely something we need to follow. Thanks so much for taking the time. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Adam Wardson. You can read him at the Fast Break, which is the San Jose Mercury News Warriors fan blog. You can also follow him on Twitter at GSW Fast Break, GSW F-A-S-T-B-R-E-A-K. And I love talking with Adam after a game like this because, especially when he sits in the fan seats, because it can give you a little bit of different color because press row is press row. And to get to get that other added perspective on it, and Adam watches you know watches his team for years, so to get that kind of perspective, and it's you know it, was, it wasn't a game that was really I didn't I didn't really expect it to be as interesting as as exciting it was, other than the Anthony Davis display, which maybe we didn't talk about enough, but he was absolutely incredible for portions of this game. I thought Draymond really struggled with him at moments, while Draymond was of course bringing value at other parts of the court other ways and including assisting as we did talk about a fair amount. So wanted to make sure that that was a part of the show. Thank you so much to everybody for listening and for being a part of the Reddit mailbag, which was Monday's episode. Really happy with that. And so many more good questions to answer. So that will be tomorrow's episode as well. So this is the Tuesday episode. Wednesday's episode will be on finishing up the reddit mailbag maybe I'll, I'll hit some other stuff as well depending on how long those questions take i think there's more than enough from the last time i saw to really cover to cover a whole nother one and then wednesday night warriors mavericks that will be the thursday episode and then the warriors play again they have that brutal home road back to back in denver so that will be friday's episode so lots to get through an exciting week of warriors basketball if you want to support the show please download every episode subscribe using whatever you want to whatever podcast player you like leave a rating leave a review really do appreciate it also check out SeatGeek. it is a great app for buying tickets whether you want to buy to the warriors the niners or the raiders or if especially also i forgot to mention i'm sorry forgot to mention yesterday check out locked on raiders locked on niners especially after the raiders strong win on sunday night football and the niners let's call it disappointing loss as a lifelong niners fan against the saints but Still definitely worth worth listening to those podcasts, and they do they do great work, so you should check that out as well. Also a great way to use SeatGeek, so you go to SeatGeek, you use the settings tabs, promo code LO Warriors, LO for locked on, then Warriors for Warriors. And it's a great way of supporting the show, checking out a cool new app. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked on Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. 
Merrick Fowl. Together we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. 